Let's hold our Bibles up or your electronic device with your Bible and repeat after me. I'm a child of God. Have in my hand. Powerful Word of God. Can change lives. Heal broken hearts. Save man's soul. Here's our prayer. Lord Jesus, today, speak to me. In Jesus' name, amen. Now look at your neighbor and say, be at peace, my friend, be at peace. <laughs> Welcome today as we uh, continue in our series, Blessed Revolution, focusing on the Beatitudes. Going to look at the last two Beatitudes in a couple of weeks. We will uh, wrap this up and uh, talking about the Blessed Revolution. Uh, many of you have commented how the series has helped you and has touched you. Grateful for that. The essence of any good word from God is not so much that you've heard it, but that something is different in your life because of it. So I hope today that uh, you will leave here a little more encouraged and that you found the principles and the Beatitudes helpful as you deepen your walk with God. Because deepening your walk with God is what's most important in each of our lives. Would you say amen? And so hopefully that will happen. That's why we do VBS. And uh, we want to deepen the Word of God in the lives of the children. What I was encouraged about is hearing kids talk about how awesome it was. Uh, Kelsey came just for one night, and I brought her up last night, and uh, she, was, uh, she was really afraid. That she wanted to go home before it started. And I kept saying, well, just hang in there. We're going to have a good time. You'll see. Well, when she got home, I asked I asked Misty, I said, what did she say? She said, she did, it was awesome. <laughs> That's what we want. We want the kids to understand you can have a great time, but still learn. Chrissy did a great job putting that together, and all the adults that helped were so grateful for you. The snacks were even, I think, probably the best part. They loved the lemonade and the cookies, and the preacher enjoyed the cookies, though I'm not supposed to have them, and you're not sure that I did have them. I will not confer nor deny um, there, are pictures. there are pictures, however, yes. <clears throat> we are looking at peacemakers today and those who are persecuted, and I have been persecuted even this morning. Spend more time on peacemakers, but uh, I think you'll understand it's, it's, it's really important. We'll look at Matthew chapter 5, verses 9 and 10. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. When you think about the idea of being a peacemaker, most people think it means that you are, go you are good at avoiding conflict. The contrast to that is found in the life, however, of a Christ follower. We are to deal with issues when they occur. We're to sit down with each other, work through them in love, but it's tough. How many of you would say, man, it's tough. Boy, it's tough to do that because each side has their own view of what the truth might be. But if we can love each other in the midst of conflict, God is glorified. Happens every day among husbands and wives. Uh-oh, done gone from preaching to meddling now, hadn't he? Yes, I have. Happens every day in husbands and wives. 
Husbands, learn to say, yes, dear, whatever you want. Oh, it got deathly silent in here, did it not? And women learn to say, you're right, honey. I was wrong. I knew we'd get some response. Being a peacemaker does not mean that you will avoid conflict. It also doesn't mean that you are skilled at handling arguments, even though that's a good skill to have. What Jesus is saying is very profound. He's saying it's not how we handle conflict. It really deals more with our very essence of who we are. Jesus calls us peacemakers and in the language, it's a noun. So peacemaking is not something we do. It's something we are. It's part of our identity, our DNA as a Christ follower. But first, let's address some theology. Why is there conflict in the first place? We need to understand the context of how this is being used in Scripture to fully understand its meaning. There was an ancient philosopher named Heraclitus, a very strange man, a very arrogant man, but a very insightful man. He made an interesting comment when he said this, War is father of all, king of all. Some it makes gods, some it makes men, some it makes slaves, some free. He saw that there was conflict that permeated everything. Another thing he said was this, we must realize that war is universal, all things come into being and pass away through strife. He saw that there was struggle and that there's a struggle to exist But ultimately, it loses and it dies. Everything is heading toward decay. All you have to do is look in the mirror. And you see that everything is heading toward decay. I'm getting older. I don't move as well as I used to. My knee hurts now all the time. Every time. Anytime. No matter what I do. Used to didn't do that, but now it does. I started losing my hair. It's been an interesting transition to lose your hair. It's all good, says my bald-headed friend up in the front. (laughs) Whom I may join soon. He's kidding. He's been kidding me saying, are you going to do the Kirby Lehman comb over? I need something to comb over (laughs) before I can do that. Well, I'm trying to grow it out. I haven't had a haircut in four months. Some of you have commented about, boy, I really like your haircut. I would love to say I'm glad. I'm going tomorrow for some blood work. My doctor's concerned because I'm losing my hair. And my fingernails are very brittle, so he's very concerned. So... I don't know what all that is, but anyway, blood work, here it comes. But we are heading toward decay, are we not? All of us are. As soon as we were born, 
we start to decay. We have on the back table Rodney and Lacey's, a picture of Rodney and Lacey's new boy, Garrison. He's got his hand up. He's just praising the Lord. First thing he did when he come out. He's praising the Lord. Either that or he's saying, feed me, feed me, feed me, which is probably more true. But we want, Rodney, Rodney and Lacey did not want us to do a baby shower for them. They did not want us to do a gift, any gifts for them. But I say, too bad, they haven't been here, so we're going to do it anyway. So there is a baby bottle back there to gather money, or if you would start bringing diapers and wipes and things, they'll need them. We need to express our love to this family, as we do all families, amen? So hopefully you'll, you'll do that over the next few weeks. Just bring some things in for them, or just put some money in the, in the baby bottle. Either way will work. Heraclitus was right about our world the way as as we find it, but what he didn't know and really couldn't have known since he lived around 500 B.C. in ancient Greece, he did not know that God did not create the world in the way that he saw it. God created the world to be a place that reflects his glory. Creation was supposed to be this complex thing that reflected the harmony of God because God is all about relationships He created angels who were called gods in the Old Testament. And then He created human beings and to the angels He gave control over fundamental aspects of nature. And to humans He gave authority over the animals and over the environment of the earth. And so we get to influence things as they should go. So the angels and us We're supposed to bring all of God's creation into line and the whole cosmos would reflect the harmony and beauty that God had created it for. But as you know from Scripture, that's not what happened. Angels and humans being free-willed choicers and choosers, a major rebellion in the angelic realm sprung up. We're not told much about it, but we know that the rebellion was headed up by one called Lucifer. In the Hebrew, it's Satan, which we call Satan. And these angels that rebelled used their authority over creation against God and what He intended for creation to be. So instead of bringing everything under the will of God and having it integrated into the will of God, that brought, they brought disintegration against God's loving creation and design. All that was under their authority, the fundamental aspects of Creation were corrupted. They don't operate the way they are supposed to operate because they have been polluted by the rebellious wills of these angels. And then we're told that the human beings were co-opted into that rebellion. So the authority we had over the animals and the environment was surrendered because of our rebellious choices. As a result, nothing on earth fits into the true harmony and unity of God. Paul says it best in Romans 8 when he said, For the creation was subjected to futility. He uses the word in that verse, meteotes. Can you say that? Meteotes. Say it with me. Meteotes. It's an important word for our message today because it means depravity, frailty, devoid of appropriateness. And when something doesn't operate the way it's supposed to, it's meteotes. That's what Heraclitus saw. Heraclitus saw. He didn't understand it the way that I've described it, but he knew it wasn't the way it was supposed to work. 
Ever wonder why we have natural disasters? Famine, disease, cancer. It's because of meteotes. God's purest creation has been corrupted. So we're going to face this until Jesus returns. Meteotes. But the good news, the good news, is that God didn't leave us in this condition. God became a human being, entered into the Meteotes world in order to free us from the Meteotes. In fact, God came into this world in the person of Jesus Christ, died on the cross, the purpose for which was to defeat the principalities and powers of this dark world that are corrupting everything. And for the purpose of liberating human beings and restoring us to our rightful place, and in fact restoring all of creation, bringing harmony and unity into all of creation again. He came to destroy the evil works of the devil. 1 John chapter 3 says, The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Now most people think Jesus came to just save humans from their sin. He did that. But he also came to restore creation. In fact, Romans says that creation cries out for his return. Cries out for his return. Trees don't want to die and decay anymore. Animals want to be under subjection again. Creation cries out for God's return. He came to bring harmony and reconciliation to all of God's creation Ending the meteotes, pollution in the cosmic world, in the cosmic realm, so much so that Paul defines it in Colossians 1 this way, For God was pleased to have all His fullness dwell in Him, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through His blood shed on the cross. The cross represents that the Creator God cared enough about us that He was willing to lower Himself to our level in order to bring us to full recovery through His shed blood to a group of people who deserved it the least. And that show of sacrificial love demonstrates God's perfect love that permeated Satan's realm and exploded light into the darkness like never before. We currently live in the principle not the fact of the cross. The fact of the cross brings hope and healing and reconciliation with God, but the reality is we are still living in meteotes. We are living in a fallen world, awaiting for the return of Jesus who will take us out of meteotes and into God's forever perfect heaven. I'm ready to go. Here's what's important about being a peacemaker. We live in a world that's decaying and dying. And we are to be God's light shining into that darkness, bringing hope, harmony, and peace to a world desperately in need of God's forgiving grace and mercy. That's why we're peacemakers. How does that work on a practical level? Why is there conflicts among humans? The answer is this, all conflict is in our life is a result of us having some part of our identity anchored 
and participating in this fallen world, in this chaos. You ever find yourself struggling with God? Do you ever find yourself struggling with your flesh? It's because we still live in metaotes. We still live here. We're still stuck here. That's why there's a yearning and a longing to not be here. That's why there's a yearning and a longing to be with Almighty God. And so if you're tired of being anxious, tired of trying to get one up on the other guy, tired of chasing after stuff that really doesn't last, then I'd like to invite you to try another way. I would encourage you to embrace salvation through Jesus Christ. And if you've never given Him a try to help you in your life, or if you did at one time but for whatever reason are not relying on His guidance any longer, now's the time to return to come back for the first time, perhaps, to Him. True freedom from life's shackles will be broken and the bondage you've been experiencing will go away. Remember, peacemakers are who we are not what we are. There's only one way to make that happen is to have a right relationship with God. And the only way to make that right relationship work is for you to die to this world and become alive in Christ. Because we're peacemakers, we will experience persecution. Paul reminds us in Galatians 2.20, it's no longer I that lives, but Christ who lives within me. As Christ followers, we're called to be different. There's a term that describes people who are different. It's the word xenophobia, which defines as the fear of others perceived to be different, strange, or other. (laughs) See, Peter says that we're a peculiar people. Things that rock others' worlds don't ours. Our anchor, our identity is found in Christ Jesus. We do and we will respond differently than the world does. And so because we are that way, persecution will come because people don't understand us. People don't understand how we can react to tough times with a smile on our face. People don't understand how we can face calamity And work through it. People don't understand. The world doesn't understand how we can stand for our values, stand for the truth, and still love them in spite of the sin that we find in their life. Christ followers rest in the fact that persecution will come because Jesus said it would. And not only is it going to come, but we'll we'll receive the kingdom of heaven. It's ours. Because of it. No matter what you go through, what trial you face, I want you to remember these five things. Our God can overcome it. Our God can bring you through it. Our God can show you a way. And our God has won the victory. Our God can overcome it. Our God can bring you through it. Our God can show you a way. 
And our God has won the victory. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you didn't call us to bring peace, but to extend peace. And so peacemakers, we should be because we love you, live for you. Persecution will follow because when we bring peace through the mercy and grace of your son Jesus Christ, death on the cross, people will persecute us because they've not received it, they don't understand it, and we're always afraid of what we don't understand. So may we today live lives that show the peace of your Son, Jesus Christ. May we live lives that show the reconciliation and healing of your Son, Jesus Christ. And may we be the peacemakers that you've called us to be. There's someone here today as we offer our invitation this morning who wants to know you for the very first time. Would they let us know that so we could pray with them, teach them? Maybe there's somebody here that they want to make this church their home. We're not perfect people, but we're sure forgiven. And we'll do our best to, for, to love them and forgive them as you do. Maybe there's somebody here that just needs to call out to you and say, Lord, I, I'm, I'm carrying a burden I can't carry anymore by myself. Whatever it might be, Lord, would they have the courage to do, make that decision today? In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand. Let's sing our song of invitation. Without him, 